0: You see, the, uh, as Pastor Heron mentioned, the last line of that hymn was cut off in your bulletin. That's because we could not cut out the giving part. Um, that's not an option, so uh, sorry, you get what you get around here. So if you need a Bible, we have some provided for you. The text is found on page 304 in the Pew Bible there. And if you're new to us, we are working through this historical book and doing a series on the story of David, God, the man after God's own heart, God's chosen king. Last week, last Sunday, was, if my calculations are right, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And most of us, On September 1st of 2001, had no idea really who our enemy was, how much we were hated, and what measures our enemy would take to try to destroy us. We didn't know that that kind of destruction could happen with planes into towers. We didn't expect that that would happen. I say most of us. The commoners like you and me. To us, it was, it was a shock. We had no idea the power of our enemy, their hate, what they could do to us. It's true spiritually too. I'll get to it in just a moment, but we as well face an enemy, primarily the evil one, the devil, the adversary, the accuser, the one who wars against our souls. But as the scriptures show us, our enemies that we fight is the world, the flesh, and the devil. In 2 Samuel, we see the people of God have an enemy too, a chief enemy called the Philistines. The Philistines were warring against God's people. And now Because David has become the king of the north and the south, the united Israel. He's just been God's anointed, appointed king over Israel. He's taken the throne fully, and now the Philistines come at him twice, you'll see in our text. Interestingly, they probably didn't need the full assault because Israel was fighting amongst themselves. It's a great parallel, isn't it, for the way the evil one would have the church fight amongst themselves. But now the church is united, Israel is united, and the Philistines are coming at David. I want you to read in this text and see how God delivers His people from their enemies. You know, here's a principle in what we call hermeneutics, biblical interpretation and understanding. The first thing we want to ask when we come to an Old Testament text like this is ask, what did the author intend for the people who would be hearing this in their day? That's the first question. Meaning is not subjective from God's word. We say, what is the message that God intended for his people in this day? So what did Samuel intend for the people of God to hear in this portion of 2 Samuel chapter 5? I think it's very clear, church, God's anointed and appointed king has defeated your enemies. God has defeated your enemies through his anointed, appointed king. I want you to see here that God's the hero of this story. God is the one who uses David to defeat their enemies. That's the first thing. Church, see how God has used his appointed king to defeat your enemies. Start with me, Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, and David inquired of the Lord, "'Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand?' And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And David said, The Lord has burst through my enemies before me like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. Pause for just a second. This is another sermon for another day, and I won't be able to get to it, but notice how worthless their idols are. They left them and ran. You and I have idols too, idols of the heart, and they're equally as worthless. That's a sermon for another day. That cost you nothing. Verse 22, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, the Lord said, you shall not go up, go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of the marching and the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. For then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gezer. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, send your spirit now in these few minutes, we pray, and be our teacher. Open our hearts and minds that we would understand your truth and understand the power of Christ, our Savior, who has defeated our enemies. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The other thing you need to understand about this text is that David, as we've mentioned many times before, is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's not a perfect picture. He's actually a very fallen picture of Jesus Christ, who is the true David, the greater David. And David here, although he's God's anointed one, although he's the man after God's own heart, pales in comparison to the greater David, Jesus Christ. We see that just in the verses before these, where David takes concubines and many wives to himself, which was the privilege of the king. But it was in direct contradiction to Deuteronomy 17, 17, which forbid the king to do this. So David is a type of Christ, but he falls short of the true Christ. David, the anointed one, is only pointing to the greater David, Jesus son. But when we ask the question, what did Samuel mean for people the people of God to get? And that is that God has defeated their enemies through his anointed appointed son. Then we're able to ask the question, okay, in our day, what does this text have to do with us? And the answer's the same but different. God has appointed his son Jesus Christ and anointed him to be the one who has defeated our enemies, who continues to defeat our enemies and will ultimately defeat our enemies. Now, who are our enemies? Your enemies are not your political opponent. Your enemy is not that person at work who you can't seem to get along with. Your enemy is not your neighbor who blows their pine straw into your yard. These are not your enemies. Your enemy is not the one who pulls off and pulls in front of you and almost runs you off the road and takes your place in line. That's not what God tells us our enemies are. Our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And by the world, we don't mean God's created order. We don't mean the cosmos. We don't mean the people of the world. What we mean are any system that opposes God, the enemies of God that set themselves up against God and His world, in a, in a worldly fashion against the powers of God. That is what we understand as the world. So our enemies, church, are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Why do I say that? Well, throughout church history, people like Thomas Aquinas and Peter Abelard and John Calvin and George Whitfield, and the Book of Common Prayer all specifically and many other places identify the Christian's enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me give you just one scripture that shows this reality. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Ephesians 2, 2 and 3 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and whence you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, that is the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the deeds of the body and the mind. You see it? The Bible identifies for us that our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the Bible teaches us that our Savior Jesus has defeated those is defeating those, and will defeat those. Now, quickly this morning, let's look at these. God has first defeated our enemies through Jesus our King, the greater David. Well, how does it happen in our text? We see David now with the united kingdom. The Philistines come upon him. David goes to the stronghold. He inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says, go up and fight them. You will defeat them. And the text says that David defeated them, but not really David. It says that the Lord defeated them, and it's called Baal-perazim, which means the Lord of the bursting out. God went ahead of David, and like a flood bursts through a village and wipes out everything in its path, God went ahead of David, and God defeated his enemies. The Lord did it. But then it happens a second time. So David inquires of the Lord again. He says, Should I go up and fight. The Philistines are coming at me again. The Lord says, don't go up this time. Instead, you go around back. You wait by the balsam trees. And when you hear the shaking of the trees, some have said it's the angel army of God marching on tops of the trees. I don't know if that's cool, true, but it's really cool. But when you hear the sound, that's God fighting for you. And God is going to go before you and wipe out your enemies, David, and you follow behind him. God, brothers and sisters, wiped out the enemy in his initiative according to his power. And David, his anointed one, was in full dependence of the Lord and followed after the work that God did. You are not able, as kind-hearted and good-hearted and willing and sincere as you are, to defeat the enemy. God did it for you. And David saw it in complete dependence upon the Lord. Genesis 3.15 reminds us of what Christ did. The first gospel promise says, Satan, you're going to strike the heel of Jesus, but Jesus, the seed of the woman, is going to strike your heel. And he's going to decisively defeat you on the cross. We know that from other places like Colossians 2, that Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection defeated the enemy, Satan. Satan. We understand that in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he defeated death itself, and he has pushed back the powers of darkness, and death and hell and Satan and his minions no longer have hold on us. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer enemies of God. We have been liberated, set free by the work of Jesus. What do we do about that? We worship him and we trust him. You praise him for the redemption that is yours through Jesus Christ who has defeated your vicious enemy, the devil. Secondly, although Jesus gave the decisive blow to Satan, the Bible teaches us that Satan's power is not completely destroyed yet. That he is on a long leash held by the power of God and he can only go as far as God allows him. But Satan is still intent on wreaking havoc in our lives. He is called the accuser and the liar and the destroyer. He is called our adversary. And First Peter tells us, be vigilant. The devil looks around like a roaring lion and he's seeking to devour. He hates us and he's a cruel enemy, and he does not fight fair, and he's looking to destroy. He's looking to wreak havoc upon God's people. But do not fear, because Jesus is still defeating the power of the devil. His power the greater is the one who is in you than he that is in the world. We have in us a power of Christ that enables us daily to defeat our enemies, however awful he may be. Can I give you just two examples that came to mind this week of, I don't know why I asked because I'm going to do it, two examples of the devil's power at work trying to destroy people that he hates. The first is in the great struggle that seems to be happening in our culture with uh, issues of gender. Gender fluidity, gender dysphoria, in which some would say, hey, if you don't quite feel at home in your body, if you're struggling and trying to figure it out through the normal progression of understanding sexuality and your bodies, if you don't feel normal, maybe you should start the transition process. Maybe you should ultimately look at a gender reassignment surgery. Maybe you just need to change what you already know in your heart. It's heartbreaking what's happening to our kids, to our culture. Do you know that the levels of depression and anxiety and self-harm and suicide are at all times highs Because people who are following the way the world says they're to handle their sexuality, their their gender identity. I can imagine the evil one loves that. He's still active, isn't he? I read another article this week about much of what has been billed as medicinal marijuana. Now, I'm not here to, to talk scientifically or, uh, about the, uh, the, the health benefits of certain type of hemp and, and these types of things. I'm not going there. I'm just talking about much of what has been billed as uh, normal, recreational, and even medicinal that our kids are putting into their jewels and they're, they're vaping on. It's said that the hippies of the 60s in their marijuana had about 2% THC in it. This article said that by the 90s, the level of THC in marijuana was about 5%. By the time we hit 2015, the level was 20%. Today, they're saying what is in the jewels and what is in the vape pens and these types of things that that people are getting under the guise of medicinal is multiple times higher. And... People are, are puffing on that or are taking a hit on that day after day after day. Our teenagers and the psychologists who used to deal with people who were on meth and some of these uh, mind-altering drugs are saying that the marijuana our kids are taking is causing levels of psychosis and violence and hallucinations and depression and schizophrenia on levels we've never seen before because of marijuana, not meth. And I have to think the devil smiles at the havoc he's wreaking on our children. I won't read to you Ephesians 6, but it reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are fighting the powers of evil. And yet don't lose heart. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Well, how do we resist him? How do we fight him? I just can only mention it this morning because of our time, but... This is where David is our example, and a good example. When David knows that the enemy is closing in on him, what does he do? He first goes to the stronghold. Now, we don't know what the stronghold is precisely in this moment. Sometimes it was that cave that David went into. But whatever it is, David, when he's being attacked by the enemy, goes into places where he is protected on all sides. It sounds a lot like the church to me. Sounds a lot like the body of Christ. It sounds a lot like corporate worship where we who are constantly under the attack of the devil know we cannot outmatch him. And so we come and surround ourselves morning and evening on the Lord's name and in our, in our own family worship and in the, the, our parishes and our Bible studies, we surround ourselves, we go to the stronghold where we are protected by the means of grace and God's spirit is there in abundance and we are safe. Well, what do we do once we're there? The Bible says twice that David inquired of the Lord. Lord, what do I do? How do I defeat this enemy? What is the strategy? He does it again. What's what is, which is m- even more impressive is not that David asks him the Lord once, but that he doesn't presume upon the Lord the second time. He asks him again. I mean, you, this would have been the time, right, for David to go, been there and done that. I know how this works. We'll defeat the enemy. I'll go charging through. No, God said, go around back. Wait on me. It was a different strategy for a different attack. And David sought the Lord from the stronghold. And then David obeyed the Lord. He obeyed specifically and precisely what God told him to do. He obeyed the word of God that he had. And then David took action. He was not passive, but he followed God in attacking the enemy. What is our strategy? For the ongoing assaults of the devil, we have the stronghold of the church. We seek the Lord. We live in dependence upon the Lord. We obey his word and we take action and fight the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible in Ephesians 6 says that we have the whole armor of God that God has given us to protect us from the evil one. Okay, last one. We also know, promised in our text here, that our God has defeated our enemy Jesus, through Jesus Christ the King. In the past, he's defeating our enemy presently. And the Bible reminds us, Revelation 19 and 20, along with other places, that the ultimate defeat of our enemy is yet to come. The once and final defeat of our enemy is still to come. You are not going to have to fight forever. There will come a day, as you fight the devil in your own heart and you fight the devil as he's warring against our culture and as you fight the darkness in your own life and the habitual sin and the the sin that clings so closely in your own heart, that the day's gonna come when Jesus Christ is once and for all finally gonna defeat the devil. Oh, take great courage, brother and sister. You will not fight forever. There will be a day when all fighting ceases, when all war ceases, when all temptation ceases, and Jesus cast the devil into the fiery lake of hell, and once and for all you are perfectly and wholly and finally free. That day is coming. Don't lose heart, Jesus wins. And when he wins, you're gonna win with him. It was in 2020 that I watched President Uh, Donald Trump give a Congressional Medal of Honor to a young man named Sergeant Major Thomas Patrick Payne. Uh, Sergeant Major Payne was in high school when he saw the terror attacks of 9-11 and watched the towers fall and it was his teacher in that moment who said to that generation of guys, he said, you are going to be a part of a war and we, need to, we have a destiny to win or to fight this war, he said to him. What struck me about this particular Medal of Honor was that the guy was from Batesville, Leedsburg, Batesburg, Lees, Batesburg Leesville, just down the road from here. Immediately I heard that name and thought, that's not far, just a, less than an hour away. Here's one of our local men. Well, he immediately, uh, 10 months later, went and became an Army Ranger and went into basic training, and he he came out and, and was elite in his class. And in 2015, he was over in Iraq, and he was part of the Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve in northern Iraq. When they got word that there was, in the enemy ISIS territory, there were multiple uh, Iraqi soldiers and allied soldiers who were being held and were going to be assassinated uh, immediately. So Sergeant Major Thomas Patrick Payne and his crew got on a helicopter, landed outside the compound, the ramp came down, they charged through the gates, charged up into the building under high enemy fire. And they managed to to use bolt cutters and cut the locks and and free dozens of prisoners. And as they were under fire and fighting their way out of that, they got another word. That in another compound nearby, there were more uh, soldiers held captive. And the enemy fighting was intense. His word to his fellow soldiers were, let's get into the fight. They go over to the other building. And they rush in and ISIS soldiers start detonating their vests. And so you can imagine explosions and fire everywhere and the buildings starting to collapse. And they charge through there in the mist going in and in. Finally, the smoke was so dark and, and the heat was so intense, he had to run back out, catch breath. And, and instead of going back, he went back in again, ultimately saving 75 prisoners of war. Heroic, beautiful, amazing. It's a reminder of our Savior Jesus who did not consider his own life but plunged into deep into the enemy territory to rescue us and defeat the devil. President Trump went on to talk about Sergeant General Major Thomas Patrick Payne and say that he is currently a U.S. Army Special Operations Command Uh, in that, training the next generation of those who would go into the battle. It's a reminder there, too, of Jesus, our Savior, who is equipping us and continually defends us against the enemy. And it reminds us, too, that although wars happen and the devil is still on the prowl, there's coming a day where it won't be necessary to learn to defend yourself anymore because Jesus is once and for all gonna finally vanquish our enemy. Take heart, O church. Jesus has, and he does, and he will defeat the world, the flesh, the devil. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that in our own battle with our own hearts, in our own battle against sin and the devil, that you would remind us that Jesus is Christus Victor, the one who has secured our victory. And would that cause us to fight the devil and clothe ourselves in the armor of God and trust in full dependence and prayer upon the means you have given us in our ongoing battle against evil. Thank you, that ours is the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.